Happy Friday morning. If you hear my voice crack from time to time this morning, Loren, it's because I did not sit in the press box last night. Oh, fun. I sat in the stands last night at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers game. Not a whole whole heck of a lot to cheer about in that first half. And we'll break down the game for you in just a few moments. But uh, the second half, I was up on my feet yelling and screaming a few times. So... I may have strained the vocal cords last night along with 28,000 or or so Blue Bomber fans at IG Field last night. That was a little bit close for comfort, but uh, great to be back with you. Brett McGarry begins his holidays today. He'll be back a week Monday. And what a week he's picking from the looks of it. I mean, the forecast looks amazing. I'm I'm trying not to jinx it because I have my own plans over the next couple of days, but we're getting back into what feels like summer at least for the next week or so based on that seven-day forecast, you know, 28, 29, 30 next week at some point. So it's going to be warm. It was a beautiful night for the game last night. Hot. Perfect. Sat uh, with the neighbors watching it outside. And then I, I did go to bed at the half and I'm, I woke up and checked the score and I wasn't so sure I was going to see a win based on what I saw in that first quarter and a half that I watched yesterday. It was a stinker in the in the, for the start. But we emerged victorious. We're going to have the sounds of the game in a couple minutes, uh, Greg. And speaking of summer and the lovely week ahead, another thing we're going to talk about this morning is just summer and your kids. You know, like, do have you just, where are you at with the, are they sleeping in, staying up late? I hope you... <laughs> My kids are such a, a dichotomy right now in their lives because they're both working. Right. But they both love to sleep in. So some days they do have to get up early. One of my boys in particular works some earlier shifts than the other. But holy smoke, can they smoke? Can they, they can sleep when they want to. Well, they're teens, right? And so, you know, you always talk about like summer, just man, what you wouldn't give to have a summer that the kids get to have most kids anyway, right? They take that break sort of the rules go out the window a little bit. You're a little bit easier in terms of structure. And uh, Hal Anderson brought this to our attention a couple days ago. He's going to speak to a mom later this morning who has this concept of a happy hour. An hour, An though. An hour. Of, of like a, of every day. I don't day, know if it's every, every day or day. once a couple days a week. I don't, I'm not sure, but they use a happy hour where the rule is for that hour, do what makes you happy. I think there's like no screen caveat in that. So that might not be what makes some kids happy. But the idea is that the parents need the break. The kids sure. need a break. The kids get some choices. And so we're going to sort of get into that idea of like, how do you manage both your own day and your kid's day to make sure you all get a little bit of what you want out of it? Because some days you can get to midnight and be like, I didn't, I didn't stop the whole day. You know, I didn't relax the whole week. I didn't have a moment. And, and maybe your kids had too much relax or not enough. Peace and quiet is uh, part of the agenda, something that I like to get at least a little bit every day. And on the labor front in Manitoba, we've got labor peace with Doctors Manitoba, MGEU and liquor stores. Not so much. It sounds like there'll be a bit more of a strike today. Another one day work action at the distribution center. It's going to be a while if, if they keep doing these rotating strikes. I don't know what impact you would see publicly. Like al- alcohol doesn't get delivered if they're striking at the distribution center. But I don't think it would get to the point in one day where suddenly, you know, you don't have any alcohol on the shelves. But this is the way they're doing it, just to try to bring attention to their cause for more cash, among other things. And uh, let us know what you think about that kind of rolling strike action, whether it's making a difference to you, if it's, if it's helping you understand what they're after or not. Brain health, uh, we talk so much about mental health, mental wellness, the things that we're doing societally to help those that struggle with mental health issues. 
advice on how to maintain a better way of life as it pertains to your mental wellness. Today is World Brain Day, and there are diseases, of course, which impact the brain directly. And so we're going to talk about this World Brain Day tomorrow, but we're going to discuss it today, Loren. One of our guests at 935 uh, lives with Parkinson's. He has a great podcast called Life with Parkinson's, and he recently spent some time in Spain at a conference where he was the keynote speaker. And and there they learned more about what's going on in the world when it comes to our understanding of our brain, the diagnosis that you're seeing. And and one of the stats that stands out is one in three people on the planet will develop a brain disease in their lifetime. So if me, you and Brett were in this room, you know, in theory, one of us is going to have that issue. And so I think it's pretty top of mind for a lot of folks, you know, as you get older, you start thinking about other things like dementia and Alzheimer's, but there's all sorts of things going on with your brain that you can, that can lead you down the wrong path. And so early diagnosis becomes important. And we're going to talk about brain health so that uh, we can learn a bit more about our brains. Brain is sort of the final frontier. Space is the final frontier. And I've had discussions with uh, those that study uh, dementia in particularly, you know, we know so much about most of our body and the way it works, but we're learning more and more every day, it seems, about the heart and some of the more intrinsic systems in our body. But the final frontier of our body is sort of the brain. Mm -hmm. And it is like exploring space because it may be in what, what, what's the statistics? The average human brain weighs eight pounds. There's a lot of magic going on in that eight pounds. And so uh, it's important to, to understand how it works. Some of the diseases that impact your brain and, and how it does. So, uh, so tomorrow's world brain day. Is, is it already tomorrow in New Zealand? Sure. So it's world brain day now. Yes, yeah. but it's also... Actually, I have no idea uh, how far ahead New Zealand uh, yeah, is. The 12 hours? So, yeah, it might still be Friday in New Zealand. 12, 24? Uh, check it out. It's 11, 12 p.m., so in 45 not, so minutes. So not quite almost, tomorrow. Yeah. Not quite tomorrow, but Canada... Uh, did not lose its first game in the Women's World Cup, but there are some people treating it like a loss. Well, you watch the highlights, and at the end, so they played Nigeria. It was a draw. 0-0 was the game. Nigeria is ranked 40th in the world. Is Canada 8th? Where are they? They're in the top 10, though. Um, and at the end of the game, the Nigerian goalie like uh, like threw her hands in the air and roared, and they celebrated like they had won because for them to have a draw against Canada was a win. And the faces of the players and 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 Christine Sinclair very much said this was not good. This we should have we should have beat this team. And so that's the result of that game. Um, and going forward, I think they'll have to ask themselves how they can do better. So we want to send you to the Winnipeg Sea Bears final regular season game, July 29th. Sea Bears lead the league in attendance, are one win away from hosting a playoff game in their inaugural season. So how do you win tickets? Tell us a story about the time you got lost with or without GPS, the worst directions you ever gave or received, or your stories of geographically challenged individuals in your life. Perhaps that person is you. It's Mackling. It's McNabb. McGarry is on holidays. And Loren, uh, loyal listener Eve, who I saw at the Blue Bomber game pregame last night, uh, sent us a text that is uh, very interesting in terms of, you know, you mentioned Brett's reference with, with regard to taxi drivers and not knowing where 
Portage and Maine is, well, can you imagine driving a truck and not being able to read a map? Yeah, so Yves says GPS is a great tool, but when new drivers come to haul gravel and can't read maps, it's a horror show. East of Winnipeg, the signal for phones can be non-existent. It's simple to read a grid road map, but wow, new drivers cannot read paper maps anymore. And that might be that might be a new thing. It might be just some, maybe around a lot of directionally challenged drivers. But if you don't have a cell phone, you can't use GPS. You got to figure it out. So yeah. our question is for chance to win tickets. Yeah. So tell us that story about the time you got lost. Maybe GPS sent you uh, in the wrong place. Why don't we uh, start with the guy who's not from here? Who didn't grow up here, Ross Levitan, filling in for Sarah McCarthy on the news desk. Did you were you born and raised in Ottawa, Ross, or did you just eventually end up in Ottawa? No, no, that's where I was born and raised. But uh, you know what came to mind? It was more of a travel story because we were overseas uh, for a gap year and, and didn't have cell service. So I was kind of throwback to maybe pre GPS days and. We're taking a, uh, a train from Prague to Amsterdam and just wanted to get a charge on our laptop. So we went over, walked a couple cars down, and it was like the storage container. They had a charger, all good. Train stops, starts, and as we're going, I look and I, I see a bike and there's a little tag on it. It says, to Zurich. So we're going to Amsterdam. I said, oh, this, this idiot forgot his bike. Could you imagine? <laughs> sure enough, the train actually split and we we're on our way to Zurich. So long story short, 14 hours later and three trains, couple couple changeovers and we made it so uh but yeah not, not a fun night. yeah no 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 to amsterdam to our destination but well, i could uh, understand stressful. if you had been in amsterdam for a couple of days making that mistake but uh Prague. on your way to amsterdam Prague's not much better reputation wise let's put it that way yeah well Prague uh, sounds like you had a good time uh jeff forche how about you you seem like a guy that Knows where he's going most of the time. I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> most of the time, I have no idea where I'm going. I uh, know I've, I've told this story before about me and my friends. We uh, were going camping. I can't remember what campsite or what park we were going to. It was like somewhere up north, like three hours away. And my friends just punched in. I think it was just Google Maps at the time. Like it, like it wasn't a GPS. So it put like a, a, a dot in the middle of the pro, uh, provincial park. Might have been a federal park. I can't remember, but it's a giant park, and I put a pin right in the middle of the park, so not the campground. And so we're trying to follow this pin. And as we get to, as we're getting closer to the pin, we're driving over. You know those grates they have so animals can't cross. Well, we're, yeah, the cattle gate. Yeah, we're we're yeah. driving. We're driving over that, and we're driving on uh, ski paths and bike paths, and we're in the middle of the woods. Like, we're not no on a road. We're not on a road, and we're still trying to follow this pin. And I'm sitting in the back in the, the car. You know, it's tilting because it, <laughs> the paths are uneven, and we had to stop because the path just went straight up, and it was a steep drop. We're like, okay, yeah, we're, uh, we're lost here. We're lost. That's when you decided you were lost. Yeah, and we had to turn around. Uh, the way we found our way back was because the ladies had to go to the bathroom, so we found the tissue that was on the ground. That's how so. people end up in the harbor, because they blindly follow these things, thinking this house is telling me to go this way, and you're in the middle of a field. Gotta trust it. Yeah. Well, how could it possibly wrong? Technology's never wrong, is it, Cam Poitras? Oh, absolutely not. Technology's always right. It always is. Actually, when I was learning, when I was living in Calgary, the first thing I did was I bought a map because I was like, I have to learn. And if I don't have my phone, if it runs out of batteries and if I'm you know, lost or something like that, I got to learn. So the first thing I did actually when I was moved to Calgary was I bought a map and, and learned the city that way. Uh, but uh, when I was working in some smaller towns, particularly Dauphin, and Drayton Valley, and you'd go to talking to some farmers, and Merritt, when I was working there, was, was fairly easy because it's just like, 
If you don't need to find something, just it's a valley. Just go between the two mountains and you usually found it. Uh, but when you're talking to farmers in some of those uh, rural areas about finding stuff, yeah, just, you know, head 16 miles down the road and turn southwest and then turn southeast and you'll see a tree. And at that marker, uh, 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 you know, you, know, you got to go uh, southwest from there, go about six miles and then turn east and then uh, go southeast uh, just for a little bit more. And uh, you'll see a barn. And at that barn, you'll be there. Can't miss it. The lad on the end. You, yeah. can't, you can't miss it. Hey, it's like, first of all, I can't follow that. Yes. But the and, best is when they throw in, you know, where the old church used to be. That's where you hundred percent, oh, right. <laughs> and it's like you know what times I drove around lost. Oh, it's the easiest thing ever, and it's like dropping things down to miles. And I'm trying to did I go six miles? Did I go eight miles? I don't know. There's mile roads. Yeah, you know when you there's, a, a, there's a tree there. There's a tree over there. But if you're like in a small town farmer, like this stuff works. I'm just you know the city mouse said. Can't understand the directions. Can't miss it, Cam. I love it. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. You can't, you miss, can't it. miss it. We've already got a great text message on that. If you want to go see the Sea Bears, July twenty ninth. Oh yeah, Calgary. It's easy the to get around church. with all the, no, the, the, the the numbered streets. How about in Rocky Ridge? Rocky Ridge Close. Rocky Ridge Circle. You have Rocky Ridge Court. You can't possibly get Four, lost. Fourteenth Avenue Southeast, Fourteenth Street Southeast, Eighteenth Street Northeast. Eight, da, 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 da. Happy Friday to you. It's McNabb and Mackling. McGarry returns a week Monday, doing his uh, annual golf trip to the West, Minnedosa, Nipawa, Clear Lake, Wasagaming. Not a bad place to be any time of the year, uh, particularly this weekend. Looks pretty good. Are they using GPS, though, on that trip? <laughs> I'd like to phone Brett and find out because we're talking about GPS. We're talking about maps, our geographical brain. Is it still working? Do we tend to depend too much on technology when we are getting from point A to point B? Here's a great text on being geographically challenged. And maybe those people in our lives are somebody else, or as in the case of this text message, Loren, perhaps that geographically challenged person in your life is you, yeah, yourself. They texted to say, trying to find my way to a friend's place in the city one time. I ended up on the other side of the city from where I was supposed to be. So I called my sister to help. Her response, oh my gosh, a blind monkey could have got <laughs> here. I say, a blind monkey? Really? She says, if he had a license. Yes. Keep those text messages coming, 204-780-6868. We want to send you to see the Winnipeg Sea Bears July 29th. But we start this hour with kids and conversations around understanding this. You don't have to be a parent to understand that this mom, uh, that what this mom is saying in this cl next clip. If there's one thing I've learned from being a mom, it's that parents and kids <laughs> always disagree on one thing. No, no, no. Rules. But saying no 50 times an hour? No. Absolutely not. Nope on a rope. It's part of the job. But all of that is about to change. Have you heard about yesterday? Okay, so that's a scene from the movie Yes Day. Uh, it's a movie starring Jennifer Garner. And the idea is they get to say yes. The parents have to say yes to any of their crazy ideas for fun on this one day. There are some caveats, of course, but it's a really fun movie since my kids saw it. My youngest has been asking for a yes day. Later this morning, Hal Anderson is going to talk to a mom in Winnipeg with her own version of a yes day or an hour 
at least, where they do this thing called a happy hour, where their kids do whatever they want for an hour, although I think there's a no screen rule, so that everyone in the family gets a break. And our question now is, does this concept make sense? Our next guest is a clinical neuropsychologist and author, co-author of the book, The Self-Driven Child, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. Dr. William Stixred, good morning. Good morning to you. Well, I don't know if you want to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to either of these ideas of a yes day or a happy hour, but it, you know, some people out there might think that's too loosey-goosey and others might think it's a great idea. What say you? <laughs> well, I, I say two, two things. Number one, you know, children, mammals, young mammals play. And the, the great challenge here is we've basically eliminated kind of self-directed play and so letting kids do what they want, letting them play what they want, <clears throat> I think is, is, is very, very good for children. And also, the second point is that our book, the hypothesis of our book is that having a sense of control over your own life is one of the best things we can help develop in young people. Because a low sense of control is the most stressful thing in the universe. And as you know, we have, we have this, this, at least in America, we have this epidemic of mental health problems in children and teenagers. And so we have to give them more control of their own lives. And so I, I big thumbs up for both these ideas from me. So doctor, you mentioned the idea of developing this independence or this ability to be self-directed. How much of that influence to get to that point for our kids comes from, from parents, from those around them? Like th there has to be a tipping point where our influence or attempt to influence turns into reality recognized or opportunity and those lessons unrealized. Yeah. And the idea that giving kids more control of their lives doesn't mean that they get to, a five-year-old is the boss of the family. You know, it just means that we want to treat them respectfully. We want to treat that their, their ideas matter. And in our, in our more recent book called What Do You Say?, you know, we, we talk about how stressful it is for kids to hear no and how good it is if, if you can't say, if you can't say yes, so well, let's talk about this. Maybe if we can't, if I can't say yes, then we'll figure out kind of a plan B. Um, and I, I think that communicating with kids in, in a way that, that supports as much as possible their, their inclinations and what they think is right for them makes sense because ultimately what we want is for kids to be able to run their own lives before they leave home. So, 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 many kids, yeah, yeah, so many kids don't know how to do that. And so we started when I, I'm, the, I'm the parent of twins and we started very early. It wasn't, what do you want to wear today? And it certainly wasn't wear this. It was holding up. Do you want to wear the red one or the blue one? Yeah. Little things like that, that we, we, we hoped would empower our kids and create some decision-making. I think that's beautiful. And with, with little kids, you don't give them uh, endless decisions. There are endless choices. You say, just exactly as you said, you want to do it this way or this way, which, which, which treats them respectfully, like they have a mind of their own. And one of the things I told my, my three-year-old son, uh, his, his mother is a great cook and say, honey, eat more. And I tell him, I, I say, Elliot, you're the expert on you. Nobody, nobody besides you knows when you're hungry and full. So eat, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. And this message that, that nobody knows you better than you know yourself. And I think that I respect you as a person. That, that it's really very powerful for kids' development from the mental health point of view. Also, the, the, the key to developing internal motivation in kids is supporting their autonomy. And so both these ideas, a yes day or a happy hour, 
Give them that will give. Yes, give them choice. Give them let let them decide. Don't let them make all the decisions. Provide structure, set limits, but as much as you can, let them decide and go. And, and the motto of of, of my, myself and my co-author is go with their decisions unless they're crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, um, yeah, go ahead. I, mean, well, I was just going to say, at some point, you do have to use the word no. It's not. You're not suggesting we eliminate well, that from the conversation. Not, not at all. It's, it's just that um, you know, in, in some cultures, you know, kids hear the word no once a day. And in our culture, especially young children, you'll hear it 50 times a day. You know, and I think that um, just, just if you're lying in a, in a scanner, you see this big stress response just hearing the word no. And so what we're saying is, 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 is it's, never, it's, not, it's not that we go along with kids at all times. It's just that we try to find a way of communicating where we can be respectful. Well, let me think about it a little bit. I don't think that's not going to work. Yeah, that's not going to work. Um, and so it's not going along with kids all the time. It, it's simply finding alternatives to saying no, 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 no. Um, and, um, and, and yes day, <laughs> it's a pretty good alternative. Well, I just had my kid yesterday say, I know you're going to say no to this, but, and then ask me a question, and I had to try really hard not to say no to it because I don't want him to assume that's always going to be my response. We've run out of time, doctor, but we'd love to bring you back at some point. Okay, great. Dr. William Stixred, the clinical neuropsychologist. He's written several books on choices. Again, the idea is not saying yes to everything, but maybe stop and think about how often you're, you're directing the 24 hours a day. Yeah, the Disney's great when you ask them a question and the answer is ultimately no, they will never, they're trained. Their staff is trained to never say no. They're trained to give you alternatives or to, to deliver the news in a way that doesn't feel like a no. And I think in our parenting, I think we could all do a little bit better at doing that because no is not a good feeling, but uh, sometimes your kids absolutely need to hear. Uh, No, that is not happening. Got to get my ACDC fill on this Friday morning. Keep it up, Forche. Little Angus, little Malcolm Young. This is an older one. Is this is this Brian Johnson or is this uh, or is this the the Bon Scott? Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. It is the start on 680 CJOB. Happy Friday morning, Mackling. McNabb McGarry returns a week Monday. He set out upon his golfing adventure. Uh, I wonder if uh, Brett's using a GPS to find his way to Minnedosa. I suspect he's good. He's good to get to Minnedosa. He's been there enough times. But um, I know somebody who went on a wild goose chase trying to get to Classic Rock Weekend in Minnedosa. She's now a member of my family, so I will not out her on the air. Just I can tell you this, Loren, it took her five and a half hours to get from Winnipeg to Minnedosa. And how long should it take? From coming from Winnipeg? Coming from Osborne Village. Two and a half hours. Maybe a little 220 if you, you know, depending on what you're doing and what you're driving. You know, the thing is, we're asking this question this morning because I'm a map person. I like intuitively trying to figure out ways to go. But with the advent of GPS, and we're going to make this our question of the day, with so much technology at our disposal, and I know GPS has been around for a long time, but, you know, you can do anything on your phone now. And so you don't need to have a map in your car. 
if you rent a car, it used to be in days gone by, you'd open up the glove box and there's a map in it for whatever city you're in because that's how you got around. You had to know how to use a map. And I'm wondering if that's even a skill that's being taught to the next generation. As I say this, I'm thinking to myself, I need to pull out some paper maps for my kids to, you know, make sure they understand landmarks and north and south and all that. And we do that naturally when we're driving, but we all rely on GPS a lot. And Tina... Well, she got GPS because of what happened. Tina says, This is great. I, I grew up in the North End. When I started to drive, my mom always said, If you're lost, go north and you'll get home. I started dating a guy who lived in Transcona. He said, Take the perimeter home because curfew was close and we didn't have as much time as we thought we had. Tina says, At about the hour mark of seeing nothing but trees and stars and a sign saying five kilometers to Lac de Bonnie, I called home. This being 1999, I had the old brick flip phone. To say the least, I did not meet curfew and received a GPS for my next birthday. <laughs> Ooh, that is really taking that advice like to heart. Like head north, young man, head north. Like just always uh, following that North Star. When I used to visit my grandparents in Vancouver, uh, my grandparents lived in Lynn Valley in North Vancouver. And of course, most nights, almost all nights... Grouse Mountain, which is on the North Shore, is lit up. And so even from Tawasin or White Rock on a clear night. Your landmark. You can see the lights of Grouse Mountain. And so my grandpa didn't say, he always said, as long as I can see Grouse Mountain, I know I'm on the right track. So uh, there's some uh, life advice for you. If you're ever in uh, Vancouver trying to get to North Vancouver and uh, always heading nat- north, maybe not always the right thing to do. 8.40 on this Friday morning. Keep those text messages coming. Best text, as decided by us, Loren, Jeff Fortier, and I will uh, get to go and see the Winnipeg Sea Bears in their final regular season game at Canada Life Centre, July 29th. And speaking of the Sea Bears, the voice of the Sea Bears and host of the 680 CGOB Sports Show, our good friend, Christian O'Mell. Hi, Christian. Hi. Good morning. How How's are you? everyone today? Oh, we're doing very well. I, I feel like I just saw you uh, not even 12 hours ago. That's because you did. Good observation. IG Field, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Ed Tate and I sat down to analyze the first half on the halftime show last night. And I opened with something like, for the third time in three home games, Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans sitting at IG Field, a place where the home team has won 28 of their previous 31 home games, are wondering what the heck is going on. At what point did you stop thinking that, Christian? Uh, Probably uh, when they drove for the Rashid Bailey touchdown in the fourth quarter because when they initially took the lead in the third, you're thinking, all right, they got this. And then the Cornelius to Mitchell touchdown made you think, "Uh, maybe they don't. But, in fact, that was really the last call for Edmonton in that game. The, the Elks are a really bad third-quarter team, and they did get outscored by a, by a margin to yeah, last night. But, nonetheless, the Blue Bombers have not been winning convincingly in, in a lot of games this year, in fact. I mean, they're 5-2. and two. They have that last night win. They, the Calgary game, they really took over the Calgary game. As that second quarter went along, and then Calgary had no chance. Hamilton, they crushed, but then gave a bunch of points away to make it look closer. I mean, 
They're a five and two team that I think is still trying to find itself. I, I mentioned this on the post game show. We're just not used to them being vulnerable and fallible and making all these mistakes and being not invincible. Because in 2021, they were pretty much perfect, right? And last year they were in the regular season, pretty much perfect. And then they had the Grey Cup loss that was wacky. But this year it has not been clean. Zach Kolaris is under more duress than he has been at any point in his time here at Winnipeg. It seems. I know that he's never going to lay any blame at the feet of the offensive line, and that's fine. But we observers can and say, we're seeing Stanley Bryant get beat more than we've seen him get beat. And the offensive line just has not been as solid. They had that great drive at the end of the game where they started running over people. Brady Oliveira finally got going, much the same way we saw against Calgary, in a way that we didn't see last week against Ottawa. But against BC in two weeks, a BC team that made that O-line look awful, when they were here the first time around, you know there's a lot of pride. You know that, it. I mean, a lot in the West rides on that game because if Winnipeg loses that, the t- overcoming BC for first all just kind of becomes a lot harder. And we'll have a lot of time to preview that game as we, we go through the next two weeks. But they go into a bye week, 5-2. and two. Yeah, there's a lot to work on, but at the same time, they're still doing pretty well when Win loss wise, which is in the end the most important thing. Six six at the half, twenty eight fourteen the final score. And Loren, I can tell you this: sitting in the stands last night, there were some there were some audible boos in the stadium uh, coming into the halftime and coming into the third quarter, coming out of the halftime when the Bombers didn't necessarily move the ball on their first possession. You were watching the game with friends. What are friends, what are people saying around you? Are they concerned about the Bombers and the fact that they're not dominating the way they did last year? The question I asked yesterday to both of them are longtime loyal Bomber fans. We're season ticket holders for years and just kids change your life a little bit and so that they haven't been of late. And I had asked one, are you, are you worried about tonight? What do you think? And he's like, uh, no, I still think we'll win it. But if we don't tonight, there's going to need to be some changes. And he didn't mean with coaching or other, but, you know, watching the O-line, watching who do you need to bring in? Who do you need to get off the field and that kind of thing? And Christian, you know, um, when, when we talk about that, did you see enough last night that, you know, status quo is still good to move forward? I just don't know what what is the change, right? Because at this point we've seen them have not great first halves in, in a lot of these games at home. Yeah, they figured it out and, and I thought they would. I, I wondered if it would be a little bit sloppy, but they'd figured it out. Um, and they did. I was talking to someone in the, in the press box before the game and that's what we've kind of figured might happen. Kenny Lawler was good. You're not going to make any changes to the offensive structure. Maybe the, the play calling changes, but I just don't know who's, who's there for them to put in on the O-line and take someone out, right? You're not going to bench Stanley Bryant. You're not going to take out Pat Newfeld or, or Jamarcus Hardrick. And then, you know, kolonkowski has been solid in the middle. They made a change at, at left guard. I think Jeff Gray wasn't fully healthy. And they put in Liam Dobson, who was not spectacular. But I think over the, as the game went along, the Bombers did a better job of getting Zach Kolaris out of the pocket. And he, he was making good plays when things were breaking down. On defense, again, personnel-wise, I just don't know what what changes there are to make for this team. The pass rush is re- really, really solidified with Jackson Jeffcoat's return to the lineup. I think him being there just makes Willie Jefferson such a better player. And it, you've seen it since he came back. Jefferson's been a, just an absolute force on defense, and that's been a huge difference for this team. There's still guys getting open deep. Um, but as long as they can get pressure on the quarterback, then 
the secondary isn't as much of a concern. But if a team can block up that front rush like BC did the first time they were here, then it could be trouble for this team. You know what? They're not going to be the most dominant team forever. It doesn't last forever. Domination ends at some point, but they're still a pretty good football team. Let's change uh, gears and look at a different kind of football. Let's switch hemispheres. Let's massively change time zones and and look south to New Zealand and the Women's World Cup. I guess it's Saturday there now. Uh, Canada with uh, what many would consider a disappointing draw to uh, open the tournament. Yeah, they're playing in Australia, just so you know. Um the, there are tournament games in both countries, but Canada's playing theirs in Australia. Uh, Thank you. Lost- I was, I was, because you know what? I'll, I'll tell you. Sorry, I jump in here. I was thinking New Zealand seems like kind of a small country to be hosting this event. So I guess I must have been watching American coverage. Are the Americans in New Zealand? Is that is that what's going on here? Uh, maybe I don't know. I All right, too much Canada's, U.S. news. Canada played okay. in Melbourne last night. They're playing okay, Perth perfect. Thank you. Perth, uh, their next match. But yeah, no, it was a it was one where you thought they were going to win, but it's soccer, and sometimes that doesn't happen. And a nil-nil draw is not super encouraging. They had a Christine Sinclair penalty kick, and you're thinking, all right, well, that's a goal. And it wasn't. She didn't score. She got stopped, and that was really it. Uh, with Janine Becky not in the lineup, Jesse Fleming's been hurt. They don't have a lot of offense, and that's probably a concern uh, for Canada. they got to beat Ireland now. They have to. Uh, if they draw Ireland or lose to Ireland, I think they're probably toast. Um, and then, you know, they got Australia in their final match, the home country. And they're they're... They're 10th, I think, of the rankings, Canada 7th, so that's going to be a tough one. And This was like the, the one that you've, you you could say, all right, we're going to get three in this one, maybe could beat Ireland, Australia's going to be tougher. And they didn't beat Nigeria, so not a great start. All right, Christian, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks for the time. Okay. You need bye. to have a bye on the way out. Nah, not today. Just a high thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Not feeling I'm not it. gonna give you what you want. I'm You're not leave feeling you wanting it. Christian's more. going back to bed. I think is what's <laughs> happening here because I think he woke up at eight twenty nine, set an alarm just in time to come on with us. And I was up before because my cat was banging at the door. Oh, Sully! He's what did he want? Licking his paw right now on my lap. So good old, good old Sully. Christian O'Mel, CJOB Sports Show. You got a show tonight, six till nine. Six thirty to nine. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, uh, there's tone. There was tone there. Tone. 6.30 to 9. My <laughs> apologies. Start listening at 6. Lisa Dutton with Global News at 6. What's wrong with that? We're team here, Christian. Come on. When we come back, I have we have some more GPS stories. We're asking you, you to tell us at 204-780-6868. You another good one in the chamber here? About uh, whether you're directionally challenged or not. We're going to chat about that. And also, I have to say, I need oh, to tell just, you more just about quick this. Note, just a quick note. What? I was what? wrong about the Brian Johnson. Everyone's texting and saying, is oh, that Bob Scott? it was Bob Scott. No, not Bob. Bo Scott? Oh. Bon Scott. Bon Scott? His not name's Bono. Bon? He, he was German. Bon. We are breaking format, breaking format alert here on 680 CJOB. It is the start. We'll tell you all about that in just a moment, but we are recalibrating things after that disastrous last segment as we head into 
went into global news, Loren McNabb, and and the end of the segment before that, as we were talking about Bon Scott and the the former, the the late great lead singer of ACDC. What what song were you playing for, Jay? If you want blood, yeah, okay, that's the one I was playing. <laughs> so there was another song I had in my head. If you want blood, you got it. Is that how that yes. uh, lyric goes? That Ronald is. Belford, known otherwise as Bon Scott. Passed away 19th February 1980. Of course, ACDC was based in Australia, uh, but Bon Scott was born and passed away in Great Britain. So we got to put that aside. The CGOB Sports Show, 6.30 till 9, when there's not football or hockey or other shenanigans going on on 680 CGOB. Global News from 6 till 6.30. And uh, from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on CKND Channel 9 Cable 12, Channel 101 in HD on your Shaw Cable Box, some Shaw Cable Boxes, apparently it's different, on mine at my house, you have Gabrielle Marchand and filling in for Gabby today, our own good friend, Clay Young. Bring the Clay ham, bring the Clay-os, Clay. You know, I've always wanted to meet that guy, Clay Young. Sometimes I'm walking down the street and somebody comes up and says, you know, you look like Clay Young. I said, I know. I get that a lot, and I sure like to meet him someday. I guess I hear he's a fantastic person. Like the boar that looked like the lion. He Apparently did. he breaks format, and the bosses are saying, quit breaking quit format. Quit breaking format. He, so at 8.07 yesterday, Greg, while you were off, he joined us to talk about pickleball and the craze of pickleball across My the continent. My favorite sport, I've said, if pickleball was a stock, I would have bought stock in pickleball 25 years ago. I know. Well, maybe not that long ago, 17, 16 years ago. My father-in-law has been playing pickleball basically since it came to Winnipeg. And he says, this is the sport of the future. Who would have thought it? Well, and here we are Clay, in 2023. Clay did this hit. And at the end of the segment, one of our listeners texted to say, I think Clay was pickled in that pickleball <laughs> <laughs> I did say that in one of my hits. I did. I think you got to be pickled to come out here and do this. Okay, so Clay, I think we're in a bit of a pickle. What we do usually with Gabby is we we trace our we retrace our steps in terms of some of the conversations we have for our contest question or having coffee talking. Sure. Topic. Then yeah. because our comes our topic our our chit chat between us and our listeners. Mm -hmm. And today it has to do with uh, GPS, whether you use it or not, ways GPS has let you down. Do you use a map? And Loren has a, has a really good, uh, good uh, question of the day that we've come up with that has to do with the GPS. Fairly simple and straightforward. How do you navigate GPS, GPS and map map only using your noodle and your intuition I'd be dead in the water. Asking will, for directions? I, or directions is it all at the, the gas station? I will admit I'm a horrible navigator. Really. You know, I'll, I'll, I, I'm trying to go by memory, you know, and there's some street, some, some street like um, Johnson Street in Winnipeg. Johnson okay. Avenue. Actually. Okay. And I'll go. I'll it's go. in Elwood. Okay. I, I know I've been there. I'm trying to think, you know, I think you go over Disraeli, but I just, you know, technology is so good. You just punch it in and I have voice guide and turn left, turn right. You know, but, without GPS, I'd be really in trouble. But you'd think with that, you'd be, get, we'd all be getting better because you're hearing it and you can see it. It's showing you which way you're going, but I sort of think we you just don't blindly follow it. this voice. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to retain it. It doesn't have to become a part of you in any way, shape or form. I just, uh, it's. If I'm a little unsure, I just punch it in and boop, this nice little British 
female voice comes out. Doesn't sound. Do, do you find it that it sounds condescending in any way, shape, or form? No, no, no. Not to but, redundantly use but, and overuse a statement. But sometimes the GPS is not up to speed, and it's taken me to the wrong place. And you got to make sure, you know, there's St. Mary's Avenue, St. Mary's Road. It could be St. Mary's Crescent, for all I know. You got to make sure you punch it in absolutely proper. Or it, it happened when uh, I was on my way to a, a motor vehicle crash, and I punched it in the wrong spelling. And as I'm getting to where I'm going, okay, I know this is not right. And you got to be careful when you're punching it in, right? Yeah, one of our listeners said that they ended up in Sarnia, which is basically west of Toronto instead of Sudbury because they typed in. Did you ever <laughs> misspelled see spelled type again? Did you ever see the famous uh, office of episode where where uh, Michael drove right into the water? <laughs> no, Michael, no. I'm doing what this thing is telling me to do. And they go right into the drink, right? Uh, well, I was expecting you to do both voices, Dwight and Michael, back and forth there. I thought you knew the whole thing. Okay, one of the other things yeah, we discussed. Well, I don't know everything. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I have two dogs. I have two dogs in my house. Yeah. But I, we all recently got a cat. Okay, good. Callie cat. Yeah. And uh, Callie decided to take a little ride in the dryer on Sunday. She had climbed into the dryer Right. And uh, Jackie turned on the dryer. Oh, and my she God. goes, what is that thumping sound? I said, I don't know, but you should probably investigate it. And there's uh, there's Miss Callie decided that she wanted to go. She's for- going for the spin? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably was three, she- four times around. Was she hurt? Well, she was so hurt that she came back about six minutes later mewing to get back in the dryer. So oh, you tell she me. She loved it? Yeah, she loved it. Was it like it. an amusement ride yes, for her? Yes, yes. She oh. had five tickets in her paw. She said, I, I want to ride. Can I ride again? Your cat, craziest place you've ever found uh, your chemus. Uh, well, I was doing mornings, right? And the wife's out of town. And so, you know, I'm going to work and it's Saturday and I open up the fridge <laughs> and I, I'm getting some milk for my coffee, put the milk back in, shut the fridge, went to work. <laughs> I come home many, many hours later no, no. and I'm calling my cat. I wonder what happened to her, right? And I'm looking everywhere. Okay, she's not out of the bed. I don't know. She couldn't have got outside. I open up the fridge there. (laughs) That's way better than the dryer. She calmly walks out. Like, no, like, ah! Like, no. She just, I open the fridge and, oh, my God. (laughs) And she just looked at me and calmly walked out. Did she eat anything in there? I don't think so. I think, is there? Do you, I sorry, think, is there oxygen? When I you close the fridge. I, there has I, to be a bit. I no? looked. I it's looked. Not airtight. It's not like a freezer. No, I looked her over. I picked her up and I checked her, and she seemed to be breathing normally. And it's like maybe I didn't when I left. I didn't completely close it. I just kind of and I got to get out of here. And I maybe there was a crack open. Yeah. All I remember is just opening it, and there she is in the fridge. <laughs> It's about time you came home, you lunkhead. Uh, there's just never enough time with you, Clay. Whether it's, it's serious chaos. news, whether it's serious news, breaking in news. The fridge. And what about the refrigerant? Like the this cat's lucky to be alive, as far I, as I can I tell. I agree. It, 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 she could have easily suffocated. She should, I, at the very least, she should hate you. But I mean, you know, she's she's a super cat. It's like, why are you not dead? 
play Young. You have yep. nine lives, are too. Are we done now? I wish we weren't, but here we are. <laughs> no, the music says... No, we're breaking format. Listen, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Jeff, we're going to keep going. Jeff, turn down and format. turn off his microphone. Man, Otherwise, sloopy. we'll get never, we'll never <laughs> get out of here. Kevin Bergen is, I'm not going is laughing at his radio right now. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you, Clay. Bye. Bye. 9.15. love you. It's a Friday morning on the start. We've been having a lot of fun this morning covering some topics that are tickling your funny bone, your input, the back and forth between ourselves and you, our listeners, is always something that we treasure. So thank you for all of your text messages. But we had some sad news this morning. It's the start. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Mackling McNabb with you. McGarry returns a week Monday. It was just a few hours ago, Loren, that we learned that Tony Bennett had passed away at the age of 96. And that's had us talking about the many, many great collaborations this voice, this singer has done or had done over the years, including one of the most poignant, I think, a concert and at least two albums with Lady Gaga. In fact, the concert he did with her just a few years ago, just before retirement, was his last. And by that point, Bennett had already been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Gaga shared what that moment was like with 60 Minutes and Anderson Cooper and the Hollywood Reporter wrapped that up like this. Live. In her sit down with Cooper, Gaga said that during the rehearsals leading up to the shows, she wasn't sure that Bennett, due to his memory loss, remembered her by her name. The first couple of weeks that I saw Tony since COVID, he called me sweetheart. Born This Way singer explained that in rehearsal, she found new ways to connect with Bennett by asking simple questions and songs for the legendary crooner to sing. When that music comes on, it's something happens to him. He knows exactly what he's doing. But on the day of the performance, Bennett surprised Gaga in a sentimental moment, introducing her on stage by her name. Hey, Tony. Whoa! Lady Gaga! Gaga noted that the moment was so special she had to keep it together during the sold-out show. But I'll tell you, when I walked out on that stage and he said, it's Lady Gaga, my friend saw me. And it was very special. The singer also told Cooper that Bennett's final performance should not be considered a sad story. It's emotional. It's hard to watch somebody change. She continued, I think what's been beautiful about this and what's been challenging is to see how it affects him in some ways, but to see how it doesn't affect his talent. Beautiful story and the power of music there, Greg. And if you if you watch to go back and watch any of that concert, the concert itself is tremendous. But that moment, she nearly drops to her knees because he's remembered her. And if you have had anyone in your life struggle uh, with memory, with Alzheimer's, with dementia, with any sort of brain disease, and, and, you, and you understand what it means to be remembered, right? And so I think it's fitting, given all the work that's been done over the years, to try and figure out what's going on in our brains. It's important to note one in three people, that's one in three on our planet will develop a brain disease in their lifetime. Tomorrow is World Brain Day. Our next guest has dedicated much of his time learning more about our brains and his brain in particular. And we're benefiting from that introspection. Larry Gifford, colleague and host of the podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's, joins us now. Larry, good morning to you, my friend. Good morning. You know, those little things, that little story that that we just shared, the idea of the little things that we sometimes take for granted. 
Oh, it's 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 really it's with brain disease, especially. Uh, it, it's so poignant when those moments happen. And when she when she talked about him, you know, when he gets on stage, it's like he's doesn't have Alzheimer's. That happens with certain brain diseases where that automatic function kicks in. They've done it so many times that it's buried deep within their their brain. And so it's the it's the it's the recent stuff that they've consumed that they can't remember. But when they it's just automatic trigger when they go back on stage. Michael J. Fox had that for a long time with acting and even playing the guitar. Uh, and I know a lot of people like play basketball, but they can't walk down the street. It's incredible when you stop and think about some of those things, right? And the idea too, Larry, that you know tomorrow is World Brain Day and Greg and I were reflecting, it's the 10th annual, so it's only the 10th. And it feels like you yeah. know, it's your brain is the most... We, we talk about our hearts, we talk about our livers and our kidneys. And of course, every, you know, there's no separating one organ from the other, but it's our brain. And yet it feels like for some reason, it's only in recent years that we started to think that we need to learn more about this. Is it because the effort hasn't been there or it's just such a complex thing that it's, it's really hard for researchers and scientists to answer all the many questions we have? Yeah, the brain is, uh, is a really complex system and um, it's... <laughs> It's it's hard to really understand it uh, and how it works. Um, it it doesn't feel pain, which is interesting. So, um, but they so so like for instance, I'm going to have surgery in October called DBS or deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's, and they're going to put electric rods in my head, and I'll have like a brain pacemaker, um, and I'll be awake when they drill those holes in my head. How do, how do you feel about that heading into it, knowing that it's that's something I've seen out of a scene in Grey's Anatomy, right? Yeah, and, and I'm I'm totally excited about it. What it's going to do is give me the opportunity to be at my best, mm-hmm. beyond you know, on all the time, as opposed to what I have now, where I take pills every two hours and then they go up and down and up and down throughout the day. So they're, they're really, it, the, the understanding of the brain is happening exponentially. I was just at the World Parkinson Congress in Barcelona, and there's just scientists and researchers are really excited about, you know, what, what they're discovering. And AI is actually helping us understand a lot more, and you'll see a lot more discovery for drugs, and you really personalize care for, for all these diseases. And I think... We've been separate brain diseases for a long time, and there's more of a sense of a collaboration now, so you're hearing more and more about it. Um, and I think that's what we'll, what's going to need to happen is we're going to have to you know, coalesce our, our efforts so we're not competing against each other for government funds. Um, we need you know, ALS and MS and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and the other you know, 996 types of brain disorders to come together. It's a this is a real issue. Larry Gifford is our guest. He's the host of the podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's. And this whole notion of you taking control of your Parkinson's, at least this is the way I see it, Larry, uh, in terms of talking to you over the years. You've really, I think, tried to take control of this and to learn as much as you can about this disease that impacts you. What's what's the thing that jumps out the most in terms of this change over the last several years? Because medical research for so long was conducted in these silos. It was it, it always reminded me when I was speaking to researchers over the years. It's like you know your buddy who sat beside you in grade seven science would would put his arm around his 
his paper and make sure that you couldn't see his answers. <laughs> and, and that's the way so much medical research has been done for so long. You didn't want to tell anybody what you were up to. Now it seems to be this sort of this open platform where the more that people in Winnipeg, Barcelona or Auckland, New Zealand that are working on the same sort of, uh, you know, looking for the same solution, the same problem, the more they, the one another knows about what they're doing, the better, which is completely opposite to the way it was 20 years ago. Oh, opposite to the way it was five years ago. I mean, the open source uh, research is, is is what is needed for us to advance this quickly. I mean, just think of how we attacked COVID. It wasn't because we were all working in the silence, because we were all working together around the world. We made it urgent. We made it a priority. And all the red tape that we see with all the other diseases kind of just melted away because we decided, well, no, this is too important to hold it up with bureaucracy. And so it's really just a matter of people deciding that it's important that we tackle brain disease. Tell us a bit more about the Congress, the World Parkinson Congress in Barcelona. You know, you're there as an ambassador. You're speaking. I, you did. You sp- spoke to the crowd, too, as well. Larry. Yeah, I, I, I had uh, several speaking uh, occasions. The f- first it was, it was last, I guess it was two weeks ago now, uh, and it was um, a mon- Monday through Friday for me. The first couple of days were sort of pre-Congress with leaders in the industry, leaders of organizations, and I, I spoke to them about collaboration and the importance of collaboration and, and how my organization, PD Avengers, kind of sits as a net organization over 150 uh, global uh, Parkinson's organizations, and, and we work on, you know, I challenge the, the, them all to come up with themes each year for what we should be campaigning. So our message, you know, is globally would be, let's say, stigma, but each organization can attack that how they need to in order to speak to their community. Because if we're not on the same page, if we're not singing from the same songbook, we're, our message will never get through. I wanted to ask about that experience because as much as, you know, when you get a diagnosis, you want to hear from all the experts and, and draw from them. But I, I would like to believe that the experts, put that in quote on there, want to hear from you, want to hear from the person living with it because they can't tackle it if they don't get a day-to-day understanding of what it's like. Well, you would, you would be surprised at how many people have dedicated their life to Parkinson's research who've never met somebody with Parkinson's. Right. And this is the opportunity. This this Congress, which happens every three years, is the only Congress in, in health care where they bring uh, the the doctors, the neurologists, the nurses, the, the, the home health care workers, the therapists, the, the patients and their partners into the same room, into the same meetings and, and have a really great dialogue. I mean, it's it's it's, it's you know, you, you can be sitting next to, you know, people that have had Parkinson's for up to 50 years, and you can be sitting with a group of seven, you know, geneticists the next day. <laughs> it's really wild. I highly recommend still a Michael J. Fox movie for some genuine insight into what Parkinson's is all about. Michael J. Fox, such a tremendous ambassador, if I may use that word, for Parkinson's. And, and Larry, you've become uh, such an important voice in this battle, uh, not only your personal va- battle, but but one for tens, hundreds of thousands of people around the world. We appreciate you and appreciate you being a part of our uh, our radio family and our work family. Well, well, thank you so much. And, and go online and just look up some facts about brain disease this weekend and, and educate yourself because it's really important. Uh, this is not going away. It is the number one, because brain disease is the number one cause of disability in the world and the number two cause of death. 
the podcast once again when life gives you Parkinson's. The host, our friend, our colleague, our guest for the last several minutes here on The Start, Larry Gifford. Larry, have a wonderful day. We'll speak with you soon. Thank you.